Clay, I was thinking that uh, Phage would have been a very different episode of Star Trek Voyager if in you know you got the whole the whole starting is the same thing. They go down to that little asteroid thing. Neelix is looking around. He mm-hmm. gets shot by that guy with his uh, tricorder weapon scanner transporter device, and then Chakotay runs in and Tuvok, and they take him back to sick bay. And the doctor goes, "My God, they've stolen his vocal cords." And everyone goes, "All right." And that's the end of the episode. And then just Neelix <laughs> never talks again for the rest of the series. And that's that's the end of it. They went a little yeah, hard. Well, they took know, his lungs. Uh, win some, you lose some, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Positives and negatives survive, to assault. So I guess we can just leave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, apparently, does he really need them now that he's moved into the kitchen? I mean, as long as he can taste things. Right. right? He can still write. You know, carry around a little iPad with like a Apple pencil on it and just write down things that he's thinking. When the when Janeway asks him if he knows anything about this area of space, he can just write no. <laughs> and then that's that's the that's the same characterization that we need. <laughs> they could they could do that bit where it's like you know they ask him a really simple co- uh, question and he's just like you see him typing for like a long time into his thing and then it just says I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not the case. We're going to talk about Phage today. It's the fifth episode of Star Trek Voyager's first season. It came out on February 6th, 1995. Teleplay goes to Sky Dent. I don't remember that name. Sky Dent and Brandon Braga. Fake name. Story credit goes Fake to name. Timothy DeHouse. DeHaas. Directed by Weinrich Colby. In-universe date is 4853 2.4, which is 2371. In this episode called Phage, Neelix's lungs are removed by a race that suffers from a deadly phage that is slowly destroying their population, prompting them to harvest replacement organs and tissue from other species. Before we do anything about this episode, I will say I'm very much enjoying this runner of Tom Paris gets sci-fi concepts explained to him in increasingly violent ways because I think that yes. we can all we can all agree that the doctor slapping Tom Paris is the highlight of Star Trek Voyager uh, to this point I think arguably the highlight of this episode this yeah. <laughs> that that whole sequence I thought was great um yeah it still makes me wonder about Paris as a character um He's not really doing anything interesting as of yet, uh, but that was a, that was a good scene. I really like the Doctor. Um, man, when they, I was wondering where this episode was going, and when they when they brought him back, and they're like they beamed his lungs directly out of his body. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. And then ten minutes later, they're like, "We've created holographic lungs yep. Yep. <laughs> that we've placed inside his body so he can survive." I was like, "They are man, they are just throwing it all at the wall in this, and I'm loving it." <laughs> the original pitch, interestingly, was Tom Paris is in an accident, mm-hmm. and the only way to keep him alive is they give him a holographic heart, which I think is more metaphorically interesting than what they did here. But that was the original pitch that they did not go with yeah. for whatever reason. This is Phage instead. So I um I have good middling and bad stuff about this episode. I think this has probably been the weakest Voyager we've seen so far. I don't think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> I think to start with <coughs> excuse me, something tickle my throat. We start with the bad, which is I think everything to do with Neelix is kind of bad in this. Yeah, I <coughs> I like the concept. Like I said, I, I thought what what they were actually doing was really interesting just because it was so it was it was my favorite type of 
<clears throat> let's just spitball. It's that if it's it feels like one of those things that came up in conversation, like the writers were just shooting the shit one day about like making jokes about what the transporter and the holodeck could or couldn't do. Sure. And then they came out with, well, what if they what if they beamed your? It's like that. Uh, was it Breaking Bad that has that monologue about uh, Scotty helping? Chekhov win an eating contest by beaming the food right. directly out of his stomach into the space. Yep. It's got that kind of energy to it. <clears throat> and so I, I like that, but yeah, I don't really do anything particularly interesting with it. It's uh, it's pretty, you know, it's just Neelix in an iron lung basically for the entire episode. Yeah, I, I think that the um, the bad part about the Neelix thing, sorry, I'm recovering from whatever's tickling in my throat. The, the bad part about the Neelix thing is that... Um, it it feels like it's supposed to kind of be about him in some ways, but it never it doesn't spend mm-hmm. enough time with with it to really manifest in any kind of way. Like he he goes through this weird thing when he's in the Iron Lung, and he gets jealous of Paris for, for some reason, and it gets like this mm-hmm. hyper uh, controlling personality that comes out of him. And I, I think they're supposed to be saying that he feels so helpless that he's trying to like lash out and control things in that state. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't I don't like it was one of, it's one of those sequences where you think that they should have had a scene before he gets injured where he's kind of controlling with Cass or something like there's some kind of story thread that or, they're putting through this Yeah, maybe not him being controlling, maybe another scene with Cass in Paris where he sure. gets yeah. jealous about it. Yeah, right. You know, something something like along that. those lines. Yeah. And I honestly, the Cass and Neelix thing, I still find very fascinating and baffling because every every single episode, and I know that's only three, four at this point. Yeah, um, I forget that the two of them are like an item. Yeah, they are romantic with each other. They just don't read that way at all. Um, they read, and especially this episode, like that kind of interaction that you're talking about, reads more like that they neelix is like has like unrequited love for her or something you know what you know what i mean because that's yeah. that's the he's kind of the reaction crush. i could see him having yeah he's got the crush and then he's incapacitated and now he sees paris making the moves or whatever or that's right. how he perceives it and so then he starts to get angry about it but like i just i don't know i don't i don't buy them as a as a couple or nor do i really do they really even show that they're a couple right I mean, I haven't seen penetration. I don't know if you have. <laughs> That's when it's serious. That's when you're not just dating anymore. It means something. No, I, I think that um, I, I don't think I, I would agree that I don't think they do anything to really show you that they're a couple. And I think that the the stress <clears throat> that they're putting on the relationship doesn't really mean anything for this episode. Like it's kind of a right. Yeah, it's almost curious that Neelix is even conscious. For this episode, like he feels like he should just be laying on the table as Kess and the doctor kind of work together. And that causes this end sequence where the doctor gives her a job as a nurse instead and replaces Paris and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what you gain from Neelix being awake because I don't think that Neelix adds anything to this. And I think that his scenes only really detract in a lot of ways. Like there's a he's. In a way that the Voyager crew is kind of cavalier about being lost in the Delta Quadrant, he's fairly cavalier about his lungs missing. You know, he's talking to the doctor about stuff. Right. He's got an itch right. on his eye. He's he's jealous of Paris and Cass and stuff. And it doesn't. It never really. 
they never play Neelix in in the way that I feel it's supposed to feel at the end when Janeway is sort of like in this hard moral ethical battle about what she's supposed to do. I never really feel like they make Neelix seem like he's really been sacrificed or he is in any way compromised from it. And that's why I think Neelix is the worst mm-hmm. part because I don't really understand why he's awake at all. I think that everything around him is much more interesting, but Neelix himself is kind of a mistake in this episode. Yeah, having him... I mean, <clears throat> when the doctor explains this procedure, he basically says, yeah, this could work as long as he uh, does not move ever and never leaves this room. And so it sounds pretty intense. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so then to have him just wake up and start like cracking jokes and making saying lines yep. about the ceiling being ugly and like, oh, I got an itch. Scra- slapstick humor. Yep. You know, like th- that's it kind of undercuts the seriousness of the situation that he's in. And yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> if, if you if I were to wake up and someone told me that I now had holographic lungs, I don't know if I would take it quite as well as he did. But <laughs> he can't move, can't leave. And I think that um, that seriousness. So, like to to work into the the better things away from Neelix. I generally like the Vidians as a species. I think it's kind of like an interesting concept. My um, my 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 sort of flaw with this episode goes hand in hand with what Neelix is doing, which is that. I feel like most of it is kind of a waste of time avoiding what is interesting about the episode where they're like chasing the Vidians yes. and they end up in that house of mirrors asteroid or whatever. And it's like, well, this is all whatever. They only really talk- really uh, really getting their money's worth out of that, you know, control control C control V of the Voyager model. They can. Yeah. Do now just, and then they all move that in first unison. episode. <laughs> move in unison. That with first episode with multiple Voyagers and they're already going back to that that well again. I think it's um, I just think it's a I think what's interesting is that once they get talked to the Vidians, which is only like the last 10 minutes of the sh- the episode, that's when everything mm-hmm. that kind of should be working in the episode is put out there. But at the same time, I don't think that the the plot and the pacing of the episode's ideas makes the ending scene land well. Like Mulgrew as Janeway is selling this situation. And I think she's doing, I think she's doing a really good job. My problem is I think that her acting is conveying emotion that the episode didn't earn to get to that point. Does that make sense? Like she's, she's acting the scene the way it's supposed to be, but the episode itself is not good enough to get her to that place where that feels like it's a scene that's earned by her reacting that way. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's tough because I, I felt more or less the same way as I was watching it. Cause when, when they got to that scene where she's talking to them and they're explaining what their deal is and, and everything, I actually paused it <clears throat> to see how much was left because I was like, this feels like something that should have happened a lot earlier. And yeah. it was, there was maybe only like five or six minutes left at that point. There's not much show left at that point. Uh, maybe 10 minutes. And um, I was surprised it came so late. <clears throat> and I think having it come that late is doing exactly what you're saying it's doing. On the other hand, though, I could believe it and I could be okay with it if the stuff that led up to it was more of a hassle, I guess. For who? Um for for Janeway 
because like having to chase these guys all over the place and then find like I can understand her being that frustration and everything but it's I mean what she's doing is it's not as much frustration as much as it is her dealing with like the moral quandary of it all um do you find that the video so yeah, I mean, the vidian the vidian conundrum <coughs> excuse me is interesting enough to garner that reaction from her what that what they do um so these people for people unaware the the vidians are infected by this virus that causes them to turn into zombie people and as their organs fail, they steal organs from other people. They say in the episode that they usually steal from cadavers, but if they need something urgently, they just have to take it from people. Um, and that Janeway's conundrum is she can't do what they did, which is that if she steals Neelix's lungs back and gives it back to Neelix, she will kill the Vidian that stole them from Neelix in the first place because he won't have any lungs. So that's her, that's her conundrum. And I guess my question to you and the question about whether or not the episode really works in the whole as a whole is whether or not you find that the Vidians point in that their story is affecting enough to a viewer. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, as a concept, yes, but in this episode, no. Yeah. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that you don't really spend any time with them until like the last five minutes. It's <laughs> I found that scene really fascinating and funny because as the one guy uh, starts talking, he just like launches into the history of the species and everything. And there's a certain point where the other one like slowly turns at him and is basically like, would you shut up? Jesus. <laughs> All you do is talk about, you know, it, it was this really strange back Jay and, and forth Silent there Bob yeah it's it's <clears throat> yeah it's a lot of um they're they're really back loading this whole story um in a way that doesn't doesn't work as well because the stuff that leads up to it isn't as meaningful um as this little bit at the end i think it runs into um it runs into an issue too, like as as affecting as the idea might be. I think that it's, it's undercut by only meeting the Vidians in the last ten minutes and getting a sense of it. And yeah. you, you kind of have to go a lot on trust about what they're saying. Um, <clears throat> spoilers, but the the Vidians become recurring villains in this show. Um, oh, do they really? Yeah. Ugh. So, I assume that they designed these guys by just putting multiple Star Trek action figures in the microwave. Yeah. They have a, they have the the little the little skin flap that shows their brain is the most uh, advanced part of them. I, I think that they have a. I think the other thing besides the fact that you don't spend a lot of time with them and you don't get a good sense of what their suffering is in a, in a way that sells the episode is that um, they're a little bit they're a little bit plot like plot holy in terms of what they do and how they exist in this mm -hmm. world and how things like this would work. So they're inc apparently incredibly advanced to the point where it's unclear to me why they have to steal things from people, why they can't mm -hmm. just, because they, they, they end the episode basically by Neelix gets at least one lung back and things like that. 
So I, I, I guess to put it out like first, I, I'm a little bit surprised that they a can't clone lungs at this point and right, sort of yeah. insult, install them into themselves, and b that they the resolution of the episode is so easy. It makes me wonder why they steal from anybody in the first place because it feels like they could just give those people the medical, they could make like a trade or something like that to get some supplies right, from people right. and it doesn't have to be this uh, crime syndicate thing. I, I think that's why it feels is that because you you don't get a sense of their desperation that they have to do this because mm. this is the only way. It just, it left me think, thinking, sitting there thinking about all the plot mechanics of like, isn't there a better way that these people can get around from this? Why doesn't, why doesn't everyone even, tell you to avoid them and stuff like that? They even shit talk the doctor's holographic lungs by being like, yeah, this works. It's a little crude, but yeah. I've seen better. Yeah. It's like, wait, so hold on. They can do this better and they're <laughs> stealing lungs from people to survive? Right. Yeah. That implies to me that you they probably could just make artificial pieces. Yeah. You would think so. I mean, I mean the reason they, they can't make Neelix is because Neelix is apparently super confusing lungs set up but the vidians don't have that problem i don't think yeah i don't yeah i don't know it's just a it's it's a um it's written by braga it it feels it feels a little bit as we're so far into the series a little bit like a braga problem for his sci-fi episodes is is uh, some of them will end Mm -hmm. and you go like i understand what he's going for but i just i wish it was a little bit tidier in terms of how this is all working out together it's not, not a huge problem and I think it's something you can ignore if the the uh, the conundrum is better played at the start at the like the heart of the episode. I think I could ignore it, but for this one at least, I had a hard time ignoring it. It does have a bit of that enterprise problem, where you know we we would comment a lot on enterprise where it would do a similar thing where they would have this element to the story that you're really supposed to uh, focus on like emotionally and it kind of comes out of the blue and there were, there was no, there was nothing in the story before it that, that tied into it thematically or anything like that. And, and that was a failing for a lot of enterprise episodes for me is that there was all this room that they could have used the story leading up to that moment to bolster this moment, but they don't. Yeah, and that kind of that's kind of what they do here, where they kind of waste all the Neelix stuff, and they don't really <clears throat> like this one. The this one, this the cold open for this one was a little bit lacking. Not for me. great. They don't uh, they don't show I the like Vidian the, stealing them. I, I thought for sure this is like the Vidian stealing the lungs is the thing that ends the cold open. I thought, but it, it doesn't happen. Right. Uh, yeah, and it's like they're long. I I kind of like that they're long cold opens. As opposed to the Enterprise ones where it's, you know, someone just sits up and hits their alarm clock and then it goes to the credits. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think they could do a little bit more, especially especially if you've got something uh, in, in your episode that is so morally heavy and emotionally weighty. Um, I think there's more you can do to kind of like... Uh, uh, pave the way for for that kind of thing or 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 uh sprinkle that theme throughout in different places i thought you would have liked it because of the uh the it's not really body horror but it's it's horrific body torture type stuff and it, maybe it's not horrific because of the, it's a star trek show but um i guess i'm a little bit surprised you didn't like the 
I guess you did say you like the concept, but the um, the general vibe I thought I would have guessed would have been this kind of your ep- type of episode for whatever that's worth. Did, would you agree with that? Is it just an execution thing or you just didn't care? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, it's, I think it's just a little all over the place as far as that goes because it's, you know, the stuff in the cave isn't particularly interesting. Well, the stuff in the cave is interesting when they discover the secret room full of body parts. Yeah. I'm always a, I'm always a fan of that. Always a fan of stumbling upon a laboratory filled with severed body parts. Um but then it kind of turns into a chase thing and like the Neelix stuff isn't the the idea of the Neelix stuff is cool but it's not they don't really do anything with it. Um I I was really annoyed that it took them more than 30 seconds to figure out that they should just use their phasers yeah. to in to low power reflect yeah. off yeah. of all the yeah they keep keep saying it's like it's it's like we're in a giant hall of mirrors everything's being mirrored i was just like <laughs> just shoot the fucking mirror and then it bounces off and then it hits the one that's not the mirror yeah um i mean that was that was kind of cool but it it took them way too long to figure that out uh I'm just confused by yeah. that area, really. What what's the like that's a that's a Vidian that's a Vidian base or something, right? It's not just a trap to get enemy tri- ships stuck in there, is it? Like I, I, I guess my problem is not totally sure. If the if you if you if the Vidians lead an enemy ship to that place, what is the downside? Can you not get out of it because it's a hall of mirrors? Like if you find that place, you just go back with more ships and blow it up and say, don't fuck with us, Vidians. You know what I mean? Like what's the defense of this? Maybe, maybe you never leave because you can't remember where you parked. Yeah. The mirror makes you look fat and you're embarrassed and you can't leave. You can't get out there and go back into the world. (laughs) It's that kind of like, I, I feel that all those middle scenes were just missteps that were distracting you from what is actually going to be interesting about the episode. And if I were to rewrite this, I think you you meet the Vidians and you introduce them and you understand what they're about very early. And then there's like, mm-hmm. maybe you see more than two of them. It feels like one of those things you have to go to the planet and you see like a, you know, a child infected yeah. with this stuff and you go like, oh, there's actually you know, what can we do? But they, they don't want to do it that way. I think because they want to portray the Vidians as villains even though they're not really villainous by the end of it and well what i i found it interesting because the story that they tell is is very sympathetic and it doesn't not work on janeway and because janeway's but she kind of has to like straddle that line because she lets them go yeah but at the same time as like if i ever fucking see you guys again and you try anything i'm going to destroy your entire planet yeah. basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which it's i mean it's a really interesting response from a starfleet captain where she's kind of backed into a corner and she doesn't want to be an immoral monster but she also has to make it clear that this can't ever happen again and i think i think she pulls it off pretty well in that scene yeah yeah no, I, I would agree. I, I think that Janeway is probably one of my f- more, one of the more interesting and maybe better aspects of this. I like that ending scene with her and the Vidians. Mm-hmm. I think that I don't know. It, it's one of those things that's really hard for me to describe, but it feels it just feels like something is lacking there. It's just not yeah. clear enough what the struggle is for the Vidians, 
And I think that the resolution is too pat. It's just too easy that they just... Yeah. I, as shocked as I was that Neelix and Kess now just have one lung each, which seems... And the doctor shrugs it off by, he's like, yeah, you'll get used to just having a low, little low oxygen for the rest of your life. That'll just be something that happens. But I don't know. I, I feel that for the damage that the Vidians inflicted, even if it's just the fact that Neelix and Kess are now down one lung... It doesn't feel – it feels like Davidians got off kind of easy here, you know, for what they did. I don't know. I don't know what you can do to them. Well, it's 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 surprising to me to, to learn that they come back and are like a recurring villain yeah. because this episode ends in that way where it's like, oh, the antagonistic force – is really just misunderstood and then we end on good terms because we each have something that the other one can benefit from. Yeah. So like <clears throat> I don't really know it's I'll be interested to see how they use them in the future because in this episode they go to great lengths to kind of make their problem sympathetic. Yeah. So then to have them come back and I guess be villains is is a weird a weird choice. I mean I see I see that they're they're somewhat borg like in construction, right? In in terms of what they do, which sure. is that they, they harvest other people. I th- I think what's mm-hmm. supposed to separate them is what you said there, which is that they're distinct from the Borg in that they have sympathetic background motivations for what they're doing, right? And Mm-hmm. Maybe the episodes <clears throat> play that up, and I think that you could, you could make something of that. I think it. I think I just think in a Star Trek show, it's always going to run into me just going, "Is there not a better solution here? Can like no one come up with a better right. solution than just we hunt you and we chop off your arm and we stick it onto this guy whose arm fell off the other day?" I I just don't, <clears throat> I don't, um, I don't know where you can go with that because Janeway's already focused on what the issue is which is that it's kind of wrong to steal body parts from people um so i don't know how you flesh it out beyond that i'm not sure we'll see i think they could have if they had presented the vidians as more of a um for lack of a better term evil force like and less sympathetic and less less kind of pathetic um i think there's room there for to end the episode with sort of like a begrudging mutual agreement kind of thing yeah. where it's like, all right, you know, you help us out, we'll let you go, but we don't want to catch you doing this near us again. But it, but it comes off in the episode like this is a, a race of aliens who are, who have been devastated by this thing and are just trying to survive. And it, it's, it just seems weird that they would be brought back as, as uh, villains. Yeah. My, my last thing for the the Borginess of them, like I, I think that the Borg are more effective because it's not just a matter of you being kidnapped as a body. It's about this bigger idea of like losing your sense of liberty, basically, like becoming just part of this droning right. hive and you lose yourself in that. They take your soul, basically, is, is in addition to taking your body. Um, the Vidians don't have that. Just like Bane, and they they don't have, they don't have, you know they're they're really going to have to power these guys up 
in the future for me to care about them. Like yeah. the, the Borg have a kind of like power behind them that they can't be stopped. The Vidians just seem like two dumbasses in like trench coats walking around with briefcases stealing body parts right. from people. It's, right. it's not that intimidating. I feel like the shields would stop the Vidians. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't. I don't find them particularly intimidating. Yeah. Um, and like they don't really have a ethos or anything. They're just trying to survive. I would have expected so them to little... be more duplicitous in this episode. They're pretty yeah. straight up yeah. about what they're doing, and I I, right. I feel that they need to be more conniving or something like that to to justify them being. Uh, a recurring villain, but I'm not sure. I think they just like the concept of them more than maybe the execution is. And they probably like the makeup. Um, the final thing before we go, not a fan, not a fan, not a fan of, of the makeup. makeup. The final thing before we go, um, some ongoing character work. Kess gets a position as a nurse in <laughs> the sick bay to help the doctor. Um, mm. The doctor's, plot is probably not integral to this this episode as a whole but i think it's kind of nice in this one he he talks about him and Cass have a good conversation about her him just um he's able to learn why can't he learn how to be a better doctor and stuff like that and have a little bit of self-esteem and she becomes a nurse she has something to do that frees paris up from his weird two episode day job where he works <laughs> in the sick way for some reason um i don't know i thought that was nice i like Cass as i like the actress as Cass in this i don't yeah. i don't really know if the character is yeah. great but i think she's a good actress for her same exactly she's got a great voice yeah um her her voice is a lot more voice uh, is better characterization than she's written in some ways you know yes yeah, yeah. that's kind of what i think i was i was where my head was at there because yeah as she's talking to him at the end i was like yeah okay i can get behind this character i think i don't know about the haircut uh the <laughs> neelix's clothes the relationship choices yeah the relationship choices are questionable. Uh, what I mean, why don't, what if we lose Neelix and keep Cass? I don't know. Just going out there on a yeah. limb. Um, she seems like a natural fit for sick bay. Uh, whether or not that's as a nurse or as like a counselor or something. Like yeah, she's, the, she's got doctor brings up the counselor and it's thing lack of a counselor. If, if she feels like yeah. she would fit into that role. And I I don't know why. Maybe it's because we didn't spend much time with her before this. But I I didn't get this vibe from her really at all. Especially in the first episode, I didn't. I just thought she was like a hanger on. But I feel she has potential. I think to be to be interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, I I feel like that's probably not the case. But she is the better half. Fortunately, of the of that relationship. Yeah. yeah it's um, oh definitely yeah. I I don't know if they'll ever fix the relationship angle between the two of them I, I i don't know if the show is that actively interested in them but i think that she is she's she's neat and i think if you were to like reboot the series or reconstruct it where there's more tension between the ship mates which even by this point i think they've completely abandoned any sense that the maquis are a different group than the Starfleet yeah. characters are she yeah. could have been like the mediator between those two i think that that's what she's really set sure. up to be yeah and she'd be interesting in that role. But I'm happy she's with the Doctor. I think her and the Doctor are a good pairing because he's so curmudgeonly and she's very pleasant. It's just a nice yeah. clash of those two characters. So, Yeah, I would agree. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed that they seem to be hitting the eject button on the, on the, the, uh, the crew clashing thing because 
I don't know. That seemed like it was the most interesting thing about the show for me. Um, yeah. Gave up on and, it. And they might come back. They gave up on it quick. They were it just, might. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's true. They were just. Yeah. But we, I don't think they mentioned anything relevant to that in this episode. I don't think. I to me, it mostly sticks out with Chicote for some reason because Chicote is now just completely yeah. a second in command to Janeway, and there's no, <clears throat> there's yep. no sense that he has any different beliefs or concepts or goals or motives in how he thinks should be things should be run. And I think that that's where you would see that. Right. And, you know, like take an episode like this, you know, we're we're talking about how this moral and ethical question is kind of shoehorned into the end of this episode. If they had brought this up earlier or if they brought if if they brought this up earlier or they had kept the uh, the crew clashing element in mind as they got up to this point, I think that you get a, a much better episode out of it. Yeah. Because then you have the Maquis approach to this versus the Starfleet, Starfleet approach to this, even in terms of like finding these guys and tracking them down or whatever. I think it's more, yeah, the Maquis would be... There's just so be, much there. I think the Maquis... The Maquis point of view, I think, would be sympathetic to a group of people doing what they have to do to survive. Right, like that's what the Maquis would yeah. believe, and I think that the Starfleet thing is the Janeway approach to it. And I'm, it's just it, it. It feels, especially so early in the series, it's a crutch or a reliable thing to. If your episode is like a B minus in terms of content at that point, having that Maquis schism is something that can escalate stuff effectively. You can always just add this in somehow, right. and it'll it'll boost everything up a little bit. And I think you're you're seeing it here is that it's lacking if it's missing it, it it's it can't propel a B minus of a concept into a territory. Yeah, yeah. I almost I almost feel like the Maquis point of view would be like Chakotay saying, you know, I have as a as a member of the Maquis, I have much sympathy for these this race of people who are just doing whatever they can to survive, but also. If they had done this to me, I would have executed them twenty five <laughs> minutes ago. You know, it's like, oh right, shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really care about Neelix, so I can I can be detached and have a different point of view. No, I, I think that's a it's a fair point. It's surprising. Um and yeah, Chicote is Chicote's an interesting character. Just I, I was um I was expecting a little bit more, a little bit more difficulty with him and Janeway, but he's yeah, he's so frustrating because he has such great potential in the position that he's in. Because if you present Chakotay as someone who is a hardcore Maquis person, but who is also doing what he has to do to make sure that everybody works together, like he is understanding of his role as second in command on Voyager, but he is also someone who still holds Maquis uh, uh, beliefs and everything. That is a really interesting character because he all, he at that point will always have a bit of an edge to him as to whether or not what he's going to do is going to be for the best, uh, the best thing for the ship or the best thing for himself yep. for the Maquis. And it's, yeah, now he's just kind of like, he, he just kind of like relays messages between people at he's, this point in the show. Yeah. He's the most, um, I was thinking in his scenes here, he's the most exemplary of what the first officer role is in a lot of ways. Like the first officer just executes mm. what the captain wants to do. So it's it's him or her standing, listening to the captain and then like 
delivering those orders to other people, like being the sort of manager of yeah. the process after that. And a lot of his scenes are just he he's walking with Janeway. She tells him something, and then he's like, "All right, I'll go do that." And then he walks off, and it's like, "Oh, this right. is, I, I really feel that there there could be more, more here." Too bad. He ends up being that character, you know, like when you when you have like a romantic comedy. And the two characters aren't speaking to each right. other, and so there's that one person in the middle. He's, the mutual he's friend. that one person in the middle because it's <laughs> yeah, it's always like you need to tell Captain Janeway that I need my holographic thing fixed. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I'll tell her. Janeway, the doctor says, blah, blah blah. Well, you tell the doctor that it's like, okay. I left the marquee for this. I'll go back. I'll let him know. Anything else you want to say about? Uh, I was I was royalty on my planet. Did a uh, COVID have any? impact on you watching the phage <laughs> they don't quarantine um, they beamed sick people right into, right into yeah. <laughs> i assume this is not super infectious to people it's only infectious to vidians but it's it's a risk it's yeah a there, risk. there were no questions as, as soon as they found out that these guys had a flesh-eating organ-eating virus they were didn't even blink at it they were just like oh tell us more as we stand within uh, particle spraying distance of each other <laughs> they did do the thing they, they did do that thing that um that that i, I appreciate in sci-fi movies because i do think it's really funny where they come upon the m-class planet and then one of them is like it's it's got this this and this and, and chakotay's like great we won't need to wear helmets when we're down yep. there we can just go and breathe everything it's like okay sure must it's much easier to mine when you don't have a helmet on it's just, it just oh yeah you can just <laughs> breathe all those particles in while you're chipping away at shit yep yeah they do they do voyager seems to do that quite a bit voyager voyager is very interested in it, in its sci-fi-ness at this point it, it like has characters you know, between the Paris being explained, like what a hologram is and mm-hmm. uh, what time travel is, and then Chicote talking about, like, well, if we can breathe the air, we don't need to wear spacesuits, and that'll save on the budget. Um, right. It's all that weird it's stuff. Got to be realistic, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if going forward, how representative. I really like the pitch of a holographic heart. Because that seems like you can really mm. have some like metaphor with that. The lungs are less metaphorical, I think, than the heart is. So, like, what what does it mean to have a holographic heart? I can see a lot of different stories that come out of that. Like how the character changes mm-hmm. from that; they become heartless. You know, like in, in like a not a literal, both a literal and a thematic sense. You can change them as a character. That this is their new way of life. The lungs are just. Not that, you know, I don't, and I, I don't know yeah. what the difference. People, people don't really write poetry about lungs no. as much, unless you consider those anti-smoking I mean, ads poetry. I suppose something like that. I well, I mean, I think it's it probably just comes down to they needed to they needed to do something that you could transplant from another living person and have the other person not die. And also, yes, they needed to do something where, as soon as they took it, he doesn't just drop dead. Right. Although I don't know yeah, how the, long the you, I don't know how long you survive <laughs> without your lungs. But the most effective part about that was that Neelix wasn't screaming, which is you know makes yeah. sense. But that was the most horrifying part of it. Yeah, it's um, if they had just the Vidians had just taken one one kidney. They'd be like, yeah, we're used to that. Right. You know, we just there's no. If they took his appendix, they're like, yeah. Don't need that. They can yeah, have that. What are, how come they, why do they got to be jerks about it? Why couldn't they take a lung instead right. of both lungs? Instead of both. I don't know. 
Anyway, I think we're done. Do you have anything else you want to say? You would about think. This? You would think if these were a race of people that had to do this on the regular, they would also have sympathy for the people they were stealing from, and so they would try, if, especially with living people. Yes. They would try to steal things that maybe you, you got two of them. You don't need two of them. You, know, you get one person, you get half that guy's liver, split that liver up into four pieces. You can give that to four different people. Yeah. Right. Is that how that works? I don't uh, know how it works. The liver, I was, I'm reading a book about the body. The liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself. Yeah. That's why you can do like person to person liver transplants, right? And it might be. You, could, you can give them like half of a liver yeah you can you can just cut off half a liver and it'll grow it grows back to its original size uh no matter what and they're that's cool it's one of those weird things about how does it know when to stop growing type type things but it's it's an interesting part about the liver it can regrow itself um what was i gonna say how how did the video how do the videos run out of corpses how do you just can you just not go to a like there must be so many corpses laying around just come up with an arrangement with some other species or something it's all that stuff. I was that planet their planet. It wasn't their planet, was it? That asteroid they were on. Is that what you mean? Yeah. The sorry, planetoid. Yes. Okay. I, like, I, that's I, what I was asking. Why, was, was it a trap or do they live there? Is that their base or something? Yeah, I don't know. Because like, why do they have that lab there, and where are they going for body parts? Right. Because the, the that planetoid seems to be pretty sparsely populated. Yeah, it's not an efficient. Uh, harvesting sequence to to go through all that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's strange. Maybe they'll maybe they'll fix the videos up as we move forward. How come they're so advanced technologically and medically, but they can't grow artificial yeah. organs? Their own. You think they'd be able to clone themselves yeah. at this point? And yeah, I, I, we're done with. It. We'll we'll deal with the videos again. They'll come back, and I think that I think that the consensus Great. is that they they get better as they move along, I think is the popular okay. consensus about them. So they might answer some of these questions that we have and actually come up with compelling reasons as to why they can't do it. But thank you very I much. I hope everybody. it's one of those I hope it's one of those bits where the second round Davidians they meet, they completely retooled them and then they have to think about it, write themselves out of that. Yep. It's like, no, the ones you met are the pariah Vidians. We don't talk <laughs> about them. We don't talk about how the fact that they have smooth foreheads Never again. Never always to be forgotten. Thank you everybody for listening to the show today. Support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you support us there, you get extra content. You get the ability to vote on what we cover. We're covering all of Picard's second season on Patreon, so you can go there for that if you're interested. Good stuff. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, our captaincy supporters get a special thank you. Special thank you to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Charlock, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Kirsten Pouch, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pondy, Matt Cutler, Brendan Howells, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Darth Moss, Russell Elge, Stephen Mann, HH28, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jake 123, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Point X to G, Barry Wallace, Jimmy Crow, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Kevin Lowry, Nick the Rat, William Schleisler, Rahan Jaffer, Gruffle John Zone, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardur, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZW Nuff Remixes, Captain McMunchaz, and James McLennan. Dizbrada, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Edmark Starr, Tuvix Most Die, Chris McLaughlin, Rayo, Rage for the Machine, and the Undiscovered Mugato. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting us. It looks like Patreon is in the middle of calculating its uh, its pay for the month, and that's why some of the names are missing. I don't think it's charged your credit cards yet, but you'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show so generously. All right, Clay, so now we go to patron comments. 
There's a bunch of them. I might alternate. Do you have your Discord open so you can read some? Uh, yes, I do. You can do the first one here. <clears throat> My nose is just killing me here. I'm getting over a cold, if I haven't said that in the past couple podcasts. This one is from Norman. That's that's the trend. What's that? Lately is getting over colds. You getting over colds. It's been a while. I haven't gotten sick for like two months, I don't think. And then I just got a, I got another small yeah. cold after COVID was the last one. It, was, it all built up to COVID and then I was okay for a couple months. So we'll see. Uh, this is Norman Buckwald. Norman Buckwald says, Phage introduces the first truly interesting and original Delta Quadrant alien foes in the series, the Vidians. Having Neelix be be the one at risk may have been difficult as so far as the writers didn't give us that much reason to care about him that much. There's been a lot more negative character traits given off by him than positive. Janeway's captain decision to let them go is at best strange, and she was doing it, remember, before they came up with the solution as to how to keep Neelix alive. Still, that's a good point. She she never, like, tries to think of a way to save him. She's like, well, I guess he's going to die, and I'm going to kill you if I ever see you again. Yep. Um, she resigns herself very to promising. she can't kill the Vidian. That's her, that's the thing, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how effective it is. It's true. Still a very promising alien foe, unlike the Klingons with bad haircuts we were introduced to in the pilot. Three compatible lungs out of five. James McLennan says, The introduction of the Vidians is a depiction of a threatening race with a unique culture and motivation that we have not seen before. Neelix, who has spent the first few episodes being an unpleasant comic relief character, gets a much-needed dose of humanity in this episode, and Ethan Phillips shows real anguish with his plight. Kess donating the lung is wholesome, and while that doesn't cause any lasting effects, it does get referenced again, which is kind of nice. 3.5 lungs out of 5. I mean... Lasting effects. I don't think they're going to be playing tennis. No, not not mountain climbing anytime soon or anything like that. Jonathan J.K. Morris says, Fage, it's a moral quandary of what to do with Neelix's missing bits understood by Janeway that really anchors the episode and stops it from becoming silly. Mulgrew's performances stand out and is the highlight while Ethan Phillips shows us why Neelix is hated by some. Three three missing (laughs) organs out of five. So this... Does Voyager have a holodeck? It does, yeah. It does. Does it? Is it working? I think. Well, they've mentioned power transfers from it, right? So maybe they've shut it down. You know, oh, okay. um, I'm a I little. Just, for some reason, I I was thinking, I I just want a scene where where the, like over the loudspeaker they they mention that they fixed the holodeck and everyone's like, oh my thank God, thank Christ, we're here. Oh boy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> a lot of men running off to the holodeck to uh, accomplish things, mm-hmm. as they say. Mm-hmm. I So we haven't really touched on this, but they mentioned it in this episode. There's a scene where Chakotay and Janeway are talking, as I mentioned before, and Janeway's giving him some orders. They talk about the rations they've been eating. Mm-hmm. What is the rationale for saving power here? Like, I, I don't think the series is explain to me why they need to conserve power when on every other show it seems that the warp reactor is far and away enough to power you for an extremely long time and it's not like dilithium is rare or it doesn't seem to be rare in this universe so i don't know why they've immediately gone into we need to and and like it's this weird twisted irony of how can there be more physical rations 
available than replicated food. You know what I mean? Like how, right. where does that come right. from? That doesn't make any sense to me. Did you notice that? Or are you thinking about that yeah. at this point? Um, I, there was a few things that I was thinking about in that regard. Cause the rations thing, I was like, okay. I mean, in the grand scheme of we're stranded, we're trying to get home. If they said, oh, they're eating rations because the replicators shut down or whatever. Like, all right. Yeah. Okay. And then they go into that kitchen area and, and they've apparently been growing food that they're not eating. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, and like, like an, <laughs> what is it, an arboretum or something is like filled with vegetables. Yeah. yeah. And if, on the other hand, I thought like Janeway was going to get pissed at him because she, I thought she was going to be like, we need to grow those. You can't just eat, you can't just pull them. There's like a whole process we got to go through, but that didn't seem to be the issue. No. Uh, so I don't know if they're just growing carrots for a rainy day or what. The, I don't know what's going the on. The issue there is why does Janeway need such an expansive room for her private dining room? I know. <laughs> Seriously. How come I want to see Chakotay take her to task for that shit? That seems like a good uh, Maquis thing to comment Archer on. Archer had like dug out his closet or something in his ready room and he had him laying in there. There was no there was no sense that he was living. Archer large. had a Archer had a breakfast Archer had a breakfast nook is about as much as he had. He had a nice window, but I I was very confused by that scene because I thought he was in the galley already and he had like taken over cooking, yeah. like ten forward or something like that. But then Janeway comes in and she's right. like, How did you get in here into my private dining room? <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely she's got massive. like she's got like a racquetball court's worth of space <laughs> just to herself i need more scenes not to of, be too topical and not to be too topical and hacky but she's got like that giant putin table <laughs> where he was that he was sitting at to to meet with those other guys 25 feet away she tells chicote to speak plainly or something like that yes um yeah i i, I need more scenes of janeway sitting at her enormous medieval dining room tables like eating soup <laughs> silently by herself and just being totally alone i don't know that was, it, was weird. it would be excellent if captain janeway the 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 captain of the people type character you walk in and she's just got the iron throne in yeah. that, that room yeah like it's it's the emperor's throne room when she looks out onto space next comment is eric's antoine he starts with let's talk about the phage uh, is this all one? These three yeah, those three, those three blurbs. Yeah. Let's talk about Phage, guys, in which Neelix has his lungs beamed out of his body by an alien race who are harvesting organs and all look like Ted Cruz. <laughs> and so the doctor <laughs> creates holographic lungs to keep the rather annoying and unlikable Neelix alive. And that's unfortunate since I'd be a lot happier if he just fucking died. It was the first time in this franchise, and please keep in mind this franchise includes the episode entitled Spock's Brain, that I couldn't contain myself and actually groaned, oh, come on, out loud. Anyway, I kind of hate Neelix, in case that wasn't coming across, and this is a terrible episode that stretches suspension of disbelief to an impossible degree. Um, one holographic lung out of five. Next comment is Poindexter G. Someone stealing your lung seems like a pretty big deal. Electric Doc is like, no biggie, I got this. I like the idea of a species ravaged by a disease that have to resort to such extremes just to survive. Janeway gets to show that her speechifying skills approach the level of Picard's. It's a decent enough episode. Patrick Seba says, I picked up a chick on the side of the road, then I got my ass beat, the blood, how it flowed. Doc asked what to treat. She shrugged, not my meat, 
Now I can't sit right on commodes. One violation of patient privacy regulations out of five. Christian Pouch. Was that, did it actually have, have to do with the episode or was that just a, I don't think so. a body limerick <laughs> about think, it? A I think Tuesday it's, in his own life. <laughs> it thematically lined up, I think, with uh, what the episode mm-hmm. was. Christian Pouch has the next one. You can read it. Jesus Christ, what a horrifying concept. You know, n- not enough people mention how horrifying Jesus Christ is as a concept. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the best I was, early concepts to come, come back out. to that book. The book talks about how doctors actually did research into that when being crucified, it would not have been possible to put the nail through the hand and that you have to put it through the wrist because yeah. the hand cannot support the weight of the, the body wrist. the way that the wrist can. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So all everybody out there with stigmata just got exposed. Yeah, clearly marker. I'm not buying it. <laughs> One of the best early concepts to come out of Voyager, the Vidians are a monstrous race, but also disturbingly sympathetic. I'm glad we spend some time with our characters and learn a little bit about Neelix and Kess and Janeway based on their actions. Neelix really isn't that bad on the whole, but is definitely at his worst when it comes to his romance with Kess. On the flip side, Kess is, del- is a delight and has great setup here for future development alongside the Doctor and strangely comes across as more mature than Neelix, who is potentially an order of magnitude <laughs> older than her. <laughs> Four out of five. Yep, that's true. I think that's part of it. Like, it, it seemed like in the first episode these two were just going to be like both kind of comic relief characters. Yeah. But they that doesn't seem to be the case, and so it makes Neelix kind of stand out even more as just like the goofy ass boyfriend. Yeah, it's early, but Neelix is already sticking out to me as I don't know why he's here anymore. You know, like right. they don't need right. him, yeah. and I think we've mentioned before he doesn't have motivation for wanting to stay on the the crew, except for the fact that he's an actor on the show. There's no, there's no, he's right. not trying to get anywhere or do anything. So it's strange. <clears throat> and like imagine imagine if like the the dynamic was that he didn't want to stay there but like Kess did right you know so like ever he he's always like come on li- listen we're, they're going down to this planet we know this i know what this place is we can i know a place where we can go on this planet why don't we just go down with them and we'll take off and it won't be a big deal and she's like no we need to help them and i'd like these people yep. and you know tom paris is a hottie <laughs> he flies off the handle we get some old old school TOS backhanded slapping of women, I think, is what Neelix needs to bring to this show, oh, but not happening. Royo says, Phage, after the Voyager series concluded, it will be remembered that the Borg was their arch nemesis for the show. It seems very fitting then that we are introduced four episodes into the Vidians, a proto-Borg-like race that only sees you as a resource they can consume. Turning the clock back 10 years from these are the voyages, we find a Brandon Braga who isn't yet in the gutter, and we can actually see his passion for trashy horror sci-fi on display. That said, Janeway's diplomatic objection to the harvesting of her crew's organs and letting the Vidians go home with said organs was laughably pathetic. At least there will be consequences for this. Conversely, I've seen fans complain completely lambast Janeway for not taking back the lungs, even though they've been told they've already been bio-altered and are very likely to be infected with the phage. Seizing the lungs would likely result in a death sentence for both parties. Four out of five. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think you can really <clears throat> give her shit for not taking back the lungs at that point. No, I, I think um, she made the right choice. I think it's just it's set up to not yeah. be a super satisfying decision, I think is the problem. you know. But I think she made the, the right decision. 
Matt Ross says yeah. a pretty scary concept and a setup for what what will uh, what would have been better enemies for Voyager on the regular, even with their few future appearances. Neelix's idea for a kitchen is fine and a good idea with no replicator, which should have been uh, thought up by the Federation crew. Seeing the Doctor begin to develop more and more and have a realization of his worth in some bedside manner is a good opening for the character. Janeway being visibly upset with her choices at the end of the episode and her frustration of dealing with the organ theft clearly gets to her as well as the frustration of her situation of being far from home. Overall, a good story for used lungs out of five. I'll send this one to you. It is from Latte Librarian. She says... How a species could survive two millennia by harvesting other species' organs is baffling. You'd think everyone would band together to destroy them, or at least the disease would have wiped them out a bit faster. After COVID, the idea of Janeway not immediately putting the aliens into quarantine after they tell her they are infected with a deadly virus is also baffling. Three lung transplants out of five. Eric McGowan says, Voyager on the whole does a very good job at these horror or borderline horror stories, especially in the first two seasons. The Vidians will be utilized better in future episodes, but this is a good introduction to them. The whole concept of this disfigured race driven into perpetual organ harvesting pirate, pirate, piracy is quite effectively creepy. Next comment is Kyle Barrett. You can read it. <clears throat> you give me the Kyle comment. Jesus. Uh, an episode with strong opening and ending but a dull meandering middle where most of the dialogue is delivered while looking at a tricorder a Voyager favorite I like the Vidians a lot and while this isn't their best episode it's a decent introduction and the scene where Neelix loses his lungs is horrifying the rest of his story however is quite grating when we're introduced to both sorry for himself Neelix and jealous Neelix within a few minutes of each other his two most annoying forms and the episode ultimately has nothing to say on his situation. It all heads downhill fast until suddenly it picks up with Janeway confronting the Vidians, by far the best scene of the series so far. And no matter what Neelix says, the sick base set is great and probably the best on the show. Well, you haven't seen the ceiling, Kyle, okay? <laughs> it's three out of five. Total garbage. Brendan Howell says, A scary idea about organ harvesting, which we learn many things about Neelix. One, he has no respect for other people's property or asking permission. <clears throat> Two, he's full of self-pity. And three, he's jealous and regards Kess's property. <coughs> Excuse me. I would have let him die. I can't help comparing this to Spock's brain, which was at least, at least unintentionally funny. One Ocampan replacement lung out of five. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know why this cold is hitting me now. I'll send this one to you. It's from... Jonas, he says, Voyager, Season 1, Episode 5, Phage. Voyager, Season 1, Episode 5, Phage. By far the best episode yet in the season. The villainy in it was brutal and unexpectedly specific, and the tension established between a number of characters was believable and moving. I'm trying to figure out what makes Janeway Janeway, and so far it seems that her defining characteristic is her childlike excitement whenever a plan is decided on. Picardo is excellent as usual. I'm surprised that the episode made the Vidians quite as physically grotesque as it did, though Phage explains that, but it treated them with a fair amount of moral ambiguity. Neelix better get a sous chef if he's going to be slaving away in the kitchen with one lung. Overall, a promising episode, four out of five. Rahan Jaffer says, I saw a man on the train and he looked like one of the Vidians and I didn't know if it was a Halloween mask, it wasn't Halloween, or a rare skin disease and I thought about asking, but you can't really do that, can you? It's a bit rude. Four depressed Talaxians out of five. Cerulea. <laughs> <laughs> 
What was that? From John Doe's uh, <laughs> notebook from seven? <laughs> Did you vomit after on him and uh, have to yeah. complain? Zerulian <laughs> says, I'll try to get through this. I like the idea of the phage because it could lead to interesting stories about balancing ethics with need, affluence, or cultural influence in Vidian society. You could also have action episodes if Voyager periodically runs across the Vidian harvesting parties who may not be so morally conflicted as the sculptor in this episode. My only complaint is that it seems unnecessary to steal organs for such an advanced race. It may be retreading the cloners from the Space Irish episode of TNG, but can't the Vidians just clone other species to harvest and resequence? Or if they're so smart, <clears throat> excuse me, why don't they have a device that can make new organs from people they scan, like the genet- genetronic replicator used to create Worf's replacement spine? Three out of five. It's a good question. I'm sorry. Worf has a replacement spine? Yes. In TNG. The episode okay. Ethics, a barrel falls on him and it shatters his spine and he wants Riker to kill him because Vulcan, uh, because uh, Klingons <laughs> don't go through surgery. <laughs> And then the doctor makes him go through surgery and he gets a brand new back and he's all set at the end of the episode. All right. Riker refuses to kill him. Cool. He says, I've been reading your your Klingon books and apparently the son is supposed to come in here and kill you. And Worf says, but Alexander's just a child. And Riker says, I know. And that's it. So, But what about that time that he killed that kid playing soccer? Yeah, I didn't, he didn't he bring that up. For that. He should have. I went up for a corner kick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Phage. Thank you for supporting the show, patreon.com slash thepenskyfell. I'm glad we're at the end. My voice is giving out. This is always the worst part. I don't I don't feel sick until I podcast, and I'm like, oh, my voice is actually shot. So, Phage, Clay, on our mm-hmm. scale of one to five, what are you going to give this one? I'm going to give this one a three. Yeah. Um, I... This is a tough one because, like, we're early enough that I don't think I know what a bad one looks like yet. Yeah. Do you think this and is borderline bad? Uh, like, would you, you could know. argue that this is bad? <clears throat> I don't know if I would really say it's necessary to watch so much. Yes. Um, I think... I think there's more good stuff in it than bad. Like that's the I th- I don't think it's bad, but I think it's just sort of like that. It's borderline into that sort of like just middling and unspectacular area. Yeah. So to be clear, um, you think this is the worst episode of Voyager so far? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you, you've seemed more enthusiastic about the the other ones than this one. So yeah, I I think I would. Pro- yeah, I think I would say that this is my least. F- I don't, let's put it this way: it's. I don't know if it's the worst, but it's my least favorite yeah. so far. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I, I, I think that my argument is it's between a two and a three, and I think that it's more it's more like it's a weak three to me, and it's not really a two because I think the mm-hmm. only objectively bad stuff is Neelix's portrayal in it. The rest of it is just mm-hmm. um, it just kind of feels like a half baked episode to me. It's not yeah. it's not completely yeah. there in what it's supposed to be trying to do or what it thinks the point of any of this is. And so it feels a little bit first drafty in that there's too many ideas in it and none of them are particularly mm. well done by the end of it. So you end up with this sort of half-baked is this about the Doctor and Cast? Is this about Neelix? Is this about the Vidians? Is this about Janeway's ethical decision? Is this about chasing a ship through a hole of mirrors? Like is it that kind of thing? And I think it just ends up going, eh, I don't know what if it's any of these really. 
I'll give it a three. It's a week three. It's my least favorite episode so far of Voyager to this point. But it's a string of threes that the show has gotten a row. I think if the um if the Doctor and Kess plot hadn't been in this episode, I'd have no problem giving it a two, I think. If there was like no redeeming yeah. aspect to it, I, I would give it a two. But that's yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. Get your coverage of Picard there. Get all the other 100-plus podcasts. Get everything. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. And feel good for supporting the show. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Also on Patreon.com, in that all that coverage, you can also get Amanda and I covering the uh, second string Stephen King adaptations this year, as we've been saying. Uh, it's the st- some Stephen King adaptations that are not on our main Rotten Horror Picture Show list. January was It Chapter 2. February was Silver Bullet. March will be Salem's Lot. And uh, then we kind of go randomly from there. Um, but it's been fun. It's been fun to... I, I've always... <clears throat> Stephen King... Ad- I've probably said this every time I've brought this up. But Stephen King adaptations have generally up until recently kind of been sort of uh schlocky i think the reputation yep uh especially the tv stuff so it's it's fun to go back and see some of these movies that are kind of uh under the radar movies that are that are pretty fun still there's a question for you who was he i don't know if you know this was he in full control of his ip at that point, was he the one who was granting these movie makers um, the ability to use his material, or was he was it owned by someone else? I think so. I honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Was he just Why like deep in his cocaine addiction at that point? It was like, yeah, anyone wants to buy any of this shit? Like, here you go. Because he's um, not particularly. Yeah, I, I don't really know the, the movie. Um, you guys just did the werewolf one. And I was listening to that, and mm-hmm. that's that director's only film credit. Is that like that's yes. just weird yeah. to me that like maybe I'm using TV modern understanding mostly, yeah. of Stephen King as like I I just feel that he would if he was selling this stuff he would want to have a little bit better control over the management of who's making it and what it's going to look like and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know how much control he did or didn't have. Um, you know, based on his dissatisfaction with The Shining, I'm going to say he probably didn't have that much control over it. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't know because, I mean, I think he I think he had control in different ways. Like Silver Bullet, he wrote the screenplay for that. Right. Um, and, you know, eventually he does Maximum Overdrive, which he writes and directs to uh, varying degree of success. <laughs> um or I should say cocaine wrote and directed that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's there seemed to be just like a fire sale of adaptation rights after The Shining because as I, I mentioned on that show, um, Silver Bullet was the ninth of ten uh, adaptations by that point and it, it was only uh, 1985. Yeah. And the first one was Carrie. And so there were nine Stephen King adaptations in five years, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder if he just... 
had the had a strike the strike while the iron is hot mentality. It was just like people want to buy this stuff. Mm. I'm just going to sell it right now because I don't know what the value yeah. of these things are going to be. Yeah, especially if like you know the demand is driving prices up and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, I actually I was looking after uh, after we talked about Silver Bullet. I was kind of uh, sniffing around uh, some of his stories because Silver Bullet's a story that I feel like kind of is not really remembered that well. Like it's from a, a, a novella, a werewolf novella that didn't really, never really set the world on fire. And, yeah. and even, uh, even that isn't super well remembered. And I was thinking how great it would be to do as a comic. And, um, I had heard somewhere that he licenses his stories for a dollar. I, that's kind of half true. Yeah. There is a certain selection of them that he will license to anybody who wants them for a dollar, but you can only do it for basically for a school project, essentially. So like if you're a filmmaker and you want to do a student film, you can uh, get the rights to one of his stories in from the specific list for a dollar. Um, but you can't make money off of it and all this other stuff. So if you're going to do that, I think you got to go the official way and, and pay, uh, pay a couple bucks to do that. Isn't it, if it's for educational purposes, isn't it fair use free anyway? He's, he's just trying to get dollars, <laughs> get dollars from people. I thought, I thought if you were using anything in an educational context, it's fair use, and you can do whatever you want with it. I could be, I could be misremembering exactly what it is, but it's like there are there are definite limits on what you are able to do with these things. Like yep. you can't put the put, you can't put it on DVD. Uh, you can't put it on. Uh, you can't put it online. You can put like a two minute clip online, but you can't put the whole movie online. Right. So it's like. He gives you the rights to do what you want, but you also can't use that as a backdoor to make a bunch of money off of a Stephen King yeah, property yeah. kind of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. We're done with Phage, Patreon, all that stuff. We'll see you guys with the next episode of Picard, which comes out shortly. And uh, the next episode for Voyager is called The Cloud. So we'll be back with The Cloud as we continue our voyage through Star Trek Voyager. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, and we'll see you later.